We're just too friendly. <laughs> That's good. You know, many of you have seen this scene before, whether it's been in the movies or, or on TV or maybe you've experienced it yourself. It's that courtroom drama. You know, the prosecution is there and they've, they've, they've built a case beyond a reasonable doubt that this criminal has done the crime. They have stacked up all kinds of evidence to make this case rock solid. And then the defense gets up. And they begin to uh, give their evidence. And it begins to ebb away at the surety of this case. And this criminal is going to go free. It just seems that it's so. And then all of a sudden, the, you know, the back doors of the courtroom open and in walks an eyewitness. They take the stands and they make their pledge and they say that, he did it. I saw it with my own eyes. And the case is solved. And justice is served. You know, the power of a witness is life-changing. There is much to the power of witness, not only in a courtroom, but in life and with the many decisions we make in life. Uh, we want a testimony from a credible witness. You know, how many of you have, have been to a movie or a restaurant or or got a book or went to a store where you had a, uh, somebody who'd already been there tell you about it and you went there. How many of you been there? Yeah, you. many of you have taken a, a, have gone and to a restaurant or a store or whatever on the basis of, a, of someone who has been there from a witness. And the truth is we, we love to be a witness, to share our experience with others. We love to be raving fans, uh, not only to our own sports teams, but to something like our favorite hamburger place. Now, many of you love In-N-Out, right? You, you go, well, yeah. Woo. But how many of you have been to Five Guys Burgers and Fries? Yeah, that's a place to go. I, uh, I accepted Five Guys Burgers and Fries into my life. <laughs> and you can too. Uh, been there, and it's, it's a great place. But, but what's interesting about the, this, this restaurant is as you go in there, all along the walls are uh, credible witnesses uh, these restauranteurs and people who've done the Zagat whatever, and they, they've all are all around the walls are telling of how great this restaurant is, and it's a wonderful place to go, and uh, you'll enjoy it. It's, uh, my son tells me it's got the worst um, healthy, or the, the the fries are not that healthy, but they sure taste good. But we love to uh, be witnesses and to be raving fans of whether it's our latest gadget that we like or, or maybe it's the, the neatest store or, or maybe the fun places that you like to go. Matter of fact, there's even a book written on that, uh, Fun Places to Go, uh, and it's written, yeah. Now, the reason they're cheering is because uh, uh, Susan Peterson is a member of our church, and, um, and if you inside your worship folder, you see her husband, Lance, that's in there. Well, the picture of his in, in there. And uh, Lance and Susan and their kids have, uh, have been to most every place that's in here. They are witnesses of how cool those places are. So this is a great book to get if you're looking for date ideas or uh, just fun places to go with kids and great like that. But it, we love witnesses. You see, the power, there's power in being a witness. And being a witness is powerful because it pieces together the truth. Uh, like gathering statements at a crime scene or, or reports uh, or the reporter's finding out what really happened in this particular incident. A credible witness can and does influence our choices, uh, small choices, like, uh, like ice cream. Have, have any of you been to Frostbites? It's right up uh, on Valley View, right across from the college there. Uh, uh, Justin, Pastor Justin in, introduced me to Frostbites. I think he goes there every day. But uh, um, 
they have this, uh, they have this soft serve ice cream. They call it frozen custard. And they put Italian ice on top of it. Oh my. I mean, you can get like chocolate and coconut and have your own little mounds bar there. You can get, you know, peanut butter and chocolate. You can get vanilla and, um, you know, mango. And, and uh, aren't you hungry for ice cream right now? <laughs> But, you know, being the power of a witness, you know, Justin witnessed to me this place, and he said, you got to try it, and his kids love it, and so I figured I, we had to go there, and now we, too, have uh, visited there numerous times uh, in that. But, but a credible witness can not only help us with uh, the small things of life, but also the big decisions of life, like what career, career to go into or, or what we believe. I know that for me, uh, as a young junior hire, I was uh, lived next door to a friend of mine, his name's Jeff, and... Jeff was just like me in a lot of ways, just as folks divorce about the same time mine did, and he was living with his mom, single parent situation, and, and uh, we were going through life, but there was something different about Jeff. I witnessed a difference. I saw that even though we had a lot of similarities in life, he was different inside. There was something different about him, and he witnessed to me. He lived out before me what the power of Christ can do in your life, and I was attracted to that. And one night he came over and shared with me the plan of salvation in words, but it, I first noticed it in his actions. Witness is powerful, and witness is needed. And it's this idea of witness God is calling each of us to engage, to experience the life-changing message of Jesus, living life his way, and witness as we live that life. And when we have the opportunity, do what it says in 1 Peter 3, verses 15 and 16, it says this, but in your heart set apart Christ as Lord, always be prepared to be given an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. That we should be uh, a sensitive and a credible witness. So how do we do that? How do we share the hope we found in Jesus? How do we reach out with the life-changing message of Jesus and express the, the wonderful way of life that can be experienced in living life God's way? Well, it's living out the biblical purpose of outreach. And that's what we're going to be focusing on this next fiscal year for our church. Last year, we focused on the, the biblical purpose of worship, and now we're going to be looking at the biblical purpose of outreach and being that we want to learn from those who were, were eyewitnesses of Jesus and his way of life, we're starting off exploring this wonderful book, the book of Acts. Look at this. There's supposed to be a movie there. It's a great graphic, but I'm assuming it's there. Or not. It's not there. Oh, there it is. Nope. Yes. You're faking me out, guys. We're good. So watch this.
will be exploring the life-changing acts of individuals like Paul and Barnabas and Stephen and, and others, and we'll be also investigating the life-changing acts of this early church and the churches that sprang up uh, from Paul's missionary journeys. We'll be learning what life-changing acts we might incorporate in our own lives so that we too can be part of God's life-changing acts in our world. So I'd like for us to look at this amazing book this morning uh, as we're looking at some life-changing acts as we talk about the power of witness. Would you mind standing with me and let's pray. Father God, as we stand before you this morning, we are thankful for the joy that we have of knowing you. And as we just sang about and are excited about that we can look to you with great joy and, and love and appreciation for saving us from our sin and allowing us to experience you, Lord. And yet, you, Lord, you, you want us to bask in that and enjoy that, but, Lord, you also want us to witness the reality of you changing our life. And so, Father, this morning, I pray that you would challenge us. I know that as we talk about witnessing, some anxiety flows up in us, Lord, and I pray that you would use that to challenge us to learn this morning, learn from your word and your Holy Spirit. Teach us, we pray, in your son's name. Amen. You may have a seat, and I encourage you to take out um, <clears throat> of your worship folder uh, or fold over to the uh, uh, outline section that's there. There are some blanks to fill in, and the answers will be out on the screen, up on the screen. And now I'm also going to list a number of other uh, verses that I want you to write down. You can look at them later as you study. And I hope that you uh, also pick up the uh, introduction to Acts, this thing that uh, Pastor Justin's written for you to help you understand all about the book of Acts, and I encourage you to read that a few times and then begin reading through the book, and you'll catch up. We're going to be bouncing around some because we're going to look at character studies, but this morning we're going to be looking at Acts chapter 1, verses 1 to 11. Now, hopefully you brought your Bible with you, and you can open up to that. If you didn't have your Bible, we'll have it up on the screen as well. But in these first 11 verses, Luke gives us five components of being a credible witness. The first one is to live the cause of Christ. So turn with me to Acts chapter 1, verses, let's look at verses uh, 1 to 3 first. In my former book, uh, the former book this is written by, as we saw in the movie, written by uh, Luke, the, the author of the Gospel of Luke, uh, and a companion to the Apostle Paul, a friend, a, a fellow missionary, and he's writing to his friend Theophilus. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote to you about Jesus being... All that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven. After giving instructions through the Holy Spirit, the apostles he had chosen, after his sufferings, he showed himself to these men and gave many convincing proofs over the period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom. You see, Jesus not only stood and proclaimed the kingdom of God, but he also spent time with people. He lived among people. The, the cause of Christ is to live among people. Uh, Luke here, who had written the, the Gospel of Luke, the, uh, the Gospel of Luke being all about Jesus as Savior, Jesus as the rescuer of humanity, Jesus as the bringer of life to people. If you wanted to pick a theme verse in the, in the Gospel of Luke, it would be probably Luke 19.10, Jesus came to seek and save the lost. But he didn't just tell people about that. He spent time with them and lived as a witness among them. I told you about my friend Jeff who witnessed to me about uh, life and life lived God's way. 
You see, I didn't really remember a whole lot of what he said to me because I'm sure he talked about Jesus and God and stuff. But what I did is I watched his life. And the truth was my life was missing something. There was something going on inside of me. Uh, I just felt all disheveled inside. And I was without peace and without hope and without love. It just was not there. But Jeff seemed to be different. And I, and I wanted to know what that different was. And so he took me to church. And in those times, as I sat in Sunday school classes, I learned some things. I learned that man is basically sinful and we do wrong things. <laughs> I, I knew myself. I knew I did wrong things. You know, tried to blow up my house and the university that my parent or my dad taught at. And that was kind of interesting. And I got in trouble and I did wrong things. And, and I knew that I was a sinful person. Well, I learned further on that that sin stops me and holds me back from a lot. That I can't enjoy a relationship with God. I can't enjoy uh, all that God has for me in the way of blessing. And, I, and I, I'm not set life lived his way, which is the best way to go. And I also learned that I'm not led into heaven. Well, I certainly wanted to get rid of this sin in my life. But then I learned there's nothing I could humanly do to do that. I couldn't you know, be really good and hopefully cancel out the sin or go to church or sing Christian songs or memorize Bible verses or even be nice and give to people and help people and stuff like that. That didn't, that, those are good things, but they didn't cancel out my sin. There's only one way to deal with our sin. We just sang about it. Jesus, who paid the penalty for our sin when he died on the cross. He actually paid for our sin. And, and how we benefit from that is two ways. First, it's a confession, a confession that we know that we're sinful and that we know that Jesus is our Savior. And then the second thing is to commit to living life his way live according to God's word, which is not outside of the realm of reality or, or, or ability. We can do that. And God will help us all along the way. And when I learned about that, I, I came to that place where I wanted to have that. And Jeff one night came over and shared with me the plan of salvation. And, and I made that decision for Christ. And it, it made a huge difference in my life. I was no longer feeling lost. I was actually feeling like I had a direction and purpose in life. And it was wonderful. You see, the cause of Christ is not just sharing words, but it's sharing life. I would have never noticed had Jeff not lived his life before me. If they were just words, I'd walked into churches before. I had heard words. But it was the fact of a life that was witnessing the power of Christ. That made a difference. You see, that's the cause of Christ. That's what Jesus did. He didn't just stand up there and say, Repent! He actually walked among people and showed how he loved sinners. He spent time with them. He spent three years with the disciples. He spent time with the lepers and the paralytics, as Luke 5 explains. Those who are hurting and struggling, he came to help them. The Roman soldiers, those who didn't even believe anything about God, they believe in multiple gods. Jesus, according to Luke 7, spent time with them. People tormented by evil, as, as Luke 8 says, Jesus came and Spend some time with them, hurting people, people seeking something more in life. Jesus did not just hang out with believers or only have people come to where he was. He initiated interaction with people who had not yet believed. That's the cause of Christ. It's not to be huddled together and never have any non-Christian friends. Or to be in some kind of Christian bubble of life. It's actually to get out and to be among people. Uh, write down somewhere Matthew chapter 5. Read the whole chapter. It talks about how we are to be salt and light 
And what good is light if it's held under a bushel or under a basket? And what good is light if it's all held in one place? See, God designed us to be living out and among people and to be a witness. Boy, to think of what would have happened if, if Jeff would have not lived his life in front of me. I, I'm sure I probably would have found the Lord later on and probably would have gone through a lot worse in life. But God challenged Jeff to, to live his life in front of me and it made all the difference in the world. And that's what God is calling each one of us to do, to live among people. Not to be huddled, afraid in one corner, but to live among people. The cause of Christ was and is, yes, the message of the gospel, words spoken, but mostly actions taken, being with people, living in community, getting to know people and having people know you and and being that witness. You see, the cause of Christ isn't cramming a gospel track down someone's throat or, or standing there with a sign that says, turn or burn. I saw one marquee on a church and I couldn't believe it said that. It says, read the Bible, it'll scare the hell out of you. And I thought, I I asked the the leaders of that church, what do you think non-Christians think about that? You think they'll ever pick up this book? No. (laughs) It's the life lived out among people. That's the cause of Christ. It's loving actions. You know, we get so busy in life. We pack and cram our life with so much activity. We have no time for relationships. We have no time to be among our neighbors. And we can get so withdrawn. You know, we feel like, well, you know, I'm struggling with sin, I'm struggling with life, and I'm struggling with this, and we, we, we withdraw. We hold it to our own, and we don't get out and be living among people. And we get too self-focused. We need our me time and and we want our selfish own projects and hobbies and stuff and we don't get out and be with people. Why not build a little margin in life? Give ourselves some space so that we have opportunity to live among people and be with them. Why not actually meet your neighbors? (laughs) Get to know their names. and, And don't... Know them with an agenda to, 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 to hand them a track or to invite them to church. Just get to know them as people. You might find they're kind of interesting. Why not get involved with a new group of people that, that's outside of the church where there's no other Christian involved but you? <laughs> you might be able to be that light in that dark place. Let the reality of what Jesus did and taught be seen in us as we are out among others. That's the cause of Christ. That's being a witness. Here's another component of a, being a credible witness is to engage the, the power of presence. That's the power of the Holy Spirit. Look at Acts 1, verses 4 and 5. On one occasion, while he, Jesus, was eating with them, the disciples, he gave them this command, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait For the gift my father promised, which you've heard me speak about, for John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized by the Holy Spirit. That gift of God is the Holy Spirit. The power of presence is the presence of the Holy Spirit in our life. John 14, 26 says, But the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. 
write down somewhere on your notes John chapter 15. Well, you can start in chapter 14. Chapter 14, 15, and 16. Read those also right down. Ephesians chapter 1, verses uh, 13 and 14, I believe. It speaks that when you became a believer, when you came to that point where you confessed that you're sinful, confessed Christ, and, and committed your life His way, when you believed, the Holy Spirit came to live with you. And according to Romans 9, 8, He's there encouraging you and challenging you. And your body is the place where the Holy Spirit lives, as 1 Corinthians 6.19 says that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. God's presence, the Holy Spirit, is living with each one of us. And now much of the time, we don't tap into that power. Not that we will have some unique super ability, but that we, we are to engage His power in three ways. The first is by listening to His teaching. Right there in John 14, 26, it says the Holy Spirit, will, the counselor, will, will help us remember and understand the words of Christ. That as you read the Bible, you've experienced the Holy Spirit. If you're a believer, uh, you've read the Bible and all of a sudden a verse pops out at you. And, and, and it either convicts you of a way of life or challenges you or motivates you or you're just moved to tears. That's the Holy Spirit working with you and helping you and encouraging you. Uh, it's, it's moving you forward in your Christian faith. As well, the Holy Spirit deals with the sin that we go through in life. According to John 16, 8, the Holy Spirit convicts us of sin. Now, you know it when you've gone and done some things you shouldn't do and you feel that pang within your soul. Ooh, that wasn't right. That's the Holy Spirit. Either with that soft voice, hey, you blew it, or with that two by four, hey, <laughs> that's wrong. <laughs> Don't do that anymore. Warning, danger, uh, the Holy Spirit is there challenging you and encouraging you in that way and also by giving you direction in life. Ephesians 5.8.10 says, says, be filled with the Holy Spirit. That word filled is the same word, uh, a meaning, a word picture meaning as a sail is filled with wind. That wind uh, pushes out that sail and gives it direction through life. And that's what the Holy Spirit does. You're working away and, and all of a sudden you hear this little voice, maybe not be a real audible voice, but just a sense in your head that says, hey, go help that person. Well, that's the Holy Spirit saying that. Or, hey, I, hey, befriend that person. Or hey, get involved in this group. Or go over here and do this or call this person. That's the Holy Spirit guiding you and directing you. He teaches us. He convicts us of sin and he guides us. And if you come to the place in your life where you believe in Jesus, the Holy Spirit is with you. So engage the power of his presence and you will be a powerful witness. The third component of being a credible witness is to avoid the subtlety of selfishness. Look at verses six and seven. So when they met together, this is the disciples, they asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? And he said to them, it's not for you to know the times or the dates the father has set by his own authority. Now, I, I don't know about you, but I find this kind of interesting. Here, Jesus is challenging in them that, that you know, don't leave Jerusalem. My gift is going to come and, and be with you. And, and, and the, in a few days, the, you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So instead of asking questions about, really? What's going to happen? Uh, what's going to happen? Are we going to you know, learn how to share more? Are we going to learn how to, what is it? They weren't focusing even on what Jesus' heart was. Who, If you look at Luke 15 of how Jesus had such a, a, a 
passion for law, the lost. As in Luke 15, it talks about the lost sheep and the lost coin and the lost son. And then, then in Matthew, as Jesus says, he, he looks upon the, the crowds there in Matthew 9, 36, and he has compassion with them, so moved that he almost wretched within himself, uh, wanted to throw up because of, he was so hurting for these people. They didn't talk anything about that. Instead, the disciples says, hey, now, now tell us stuff about how we're going to be relieved of Roman oppression. Uh, tell us more of the story. Uh, is this the time when, when all the hardships of life are going to end for us? Because that's what they were hoping for. You see, their minds were not set on being the witness that God was calling them to. Their mind was being set on how can we make life easier for us? It's so easy for us to do the same thing. We get so caught up in the world issues around us, the struggles that we face, the economic crisis. Uh, and I don't want to diminish any of those because life is hard. People lose their jobs. People get devastating diseases. People struggle in relationally, and those things are overwhelming at times. But yet God still says we have a call. Still says we have a unique purpose in life. Still has called us to be a witness, even in the midst of our struggle. As a matter of fact, that's probably one of the most powerful times of witness you can be is during a struggle. Because, you know, people watch you. They see that you are a believer in Christ and then a crisis hits your life and now they see if it's really true. Is it really true all the stuff they talked about, joy and hope and all of that? One of the most powerful times we can have as a witness is when we go through struggle, we go through trials, and yet the subtlety of, of... selfishness is there we all know that we're bent towards selfishness much of this world is bent towards that and the skin suit that we live in is bent towards that we're so consumed in in building our a comfortable life and even dealing with our problems we forget that god wants us to take every opportunity in life and witness there's a familiar verse in matthew i'd like us to read it out loud together would you read this out loud with me together therefore Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Interesting about this passage, the word go has, a, has an emotional appeal to it. It's as if a coach, right in the, in the heat of the, the most difficult part of the game, grabs a star player and says, Get back in there in the game. Or, or whether a, a, a commanding officer grabs one of his soldiers and says, get out there and fight. It's, a, it's an intense emotional word to go. It's not just, okay, go. It's go, get out there. And the word also means as you go. In other words, as you live your life, be a witness, make disciples. As you live your life, let the power of Christ in you show so that people can see that there's something in there. As you go, as you go to work, and as you go to school, and as you go to the store, and as you drive, and as you spend time with your neighbors, and as you live life in amongst your family, as you go, make disciples. We're to to move forward, and to not to be... uh, let selfishness stop us from following God's command, but avoid it and, and offer up our life to God. Saying, here it is. I, as I go, I'm going to do all I can to reveal you. 
Do that and you'll be a credible witness. So we're to avoid the, the subtlety of selfishness and yet initiate the way of witness. Acts 1.8 But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you'll be my witnesses, Jesus says, in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. The word power here means we have been given the capability to do so. The strength and the ability through the Holy Spirit to be that quality witness that God wants. It's just practicing his presence in our life that we just talked about. Learning as he teaches us. That means we've got to read the Bible. It means that we are sensitive to him. When he tells us we've sinned, confess the sin and move on. And that means listening to him as he guides you through. Because I know he's talking to you. I know he's telling you to go befriend that person in work or that friend at school or that neighbor. He's telling you to do that because he's called you there. He's placed you in that workplace and in that home and in that school and in that neighborhood. He's placed you there because he wants each of us to be a witness. Not just if we're some kind of preacher or something like that. All of us have been given the call to witness. Every single one of us. And we've been given the power to do so. This power to witness, not exclusively, but yes, part, is to be that living testimony of who God is and how his way of life works through the ups and the downs of life, through the great victories that we experience, the deep tragedies that we go through, through to show people what a Christian looks like. Remember, I was uh, driving in high school, <clears throat> I was driving my car, and I was trying to share with my fellow friends in the water polo team and we were heading somewhere and I was sitting right next to Jerry and there happened to be a Campus Life magazine sitting on the floor and on the front of that it just says what does a Christian look like and uh, and it just said so he said Jerry picked it up and he read it out loud what does a Christian look like and I I smiled at that <laughs> and it was neat the, the encouraging thing was is that I had the opportunity as, as Jerry looked at my life he goes Mike you're a Christian right he says I said, yeah, and we started talking about that. And he goes, yeah, I've noticed that you're different and, and you're able to handle things. You know, when we go out on, uh, on parties and stuff, you don't drink and you come to the dances not drunk and we do. And why your life just seems to be so much more in tune with things. And I had the opportunity to share Christ with him because he saw it in my life. We're to be a witness and we are to take the initiative to go and to be involved in the places that he's called us to to be involved in our Jerusalem. Jerusalem is where the disciples were. It's where they lived. It's their community. It's their home. That we are called to be a witness, to live the life of Christ in our home, to be an example. But not only that, to go to our Judea, that's the outside our community areas, outside our state, our province, to be pushing forward, to not just keep it at home, but also to be pushing forward, to find our, our whatever our Judea is. You see the map up here, the Jerusalem's almost right smack in the middle, and Judea is the surrounding areas. And then there is Samaria. Now Samaria was not just that it was far off in another province or another state, but there was something unique about Samaria. No good Jew would ever want to go into Samaria because there was some racial tension there between the Jews and the Samaritans. Jews didn't like Samaritans and Samaritans didn't like Jews. And yet Jesus says to be a witness in those uncomfortable places like Samaria in our life. Now, I don't know what's uncomfortable for you. Maybe it's East L.A. Or maybe it's Hawaiian Gardens or Garden Grove <laughs> or whatever. But God calls us to, 
to at times go where it's uncomfortable to be a witness. Sometimes we always want comfort, but yet he's called us to go to those uncomfortable places. And he's also called us to go to the ends of the earth. We can be involved in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria and to the ends of the earth in a number of ways. There's, there's three basic ways. We can either go there ourselves. We can pray about those who are going there. And we can give so those can go. Pray, give, and go. That's, that's ways that we get involved in, in, in witnessing around the world. But I would encourage you, don't always think you can't go. We have short-term missions. Next Sunday, you're going to be excited as we commission many of our short-term teams as they go to their Judea and the Samarias and the uttermost parts of the world. And we will be sending them off. But we are to be involved witnessing all over the, the world in our Jerusalem, our Judea, our Samaria. So how will you initiate this way of witness? For when we install Jesus' way, we are that credible witness. Here's the last component of being a credible witness found in Acts 1, 1 through 11. It's to embrace the tension of time. Look at verses 9 through 11. After Jesus said this, that you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. And they were looking intently into the sky as he was going And suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus who has been taken from you into into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. Men of Galilee, why do you stand there looking into the sky? You know, the scene is Jesus has just told them this amazing thing. You'll be my witnesses. And, and they're just watching him go up. And they're watching him go up and they can't see him anymore. And I don't know how long it was, whether it was two seconds, two minutes, or two hours. But they just kept looking up and looking up and looking up. And I don't know whether the Lord sent the angels because they were taking too long looking up or whether he just sent them to challenge them. But, but these two angels appeared and said, hey, quit looking up. It's time to look out. It's time to to be that witness that Jesus says, so get on with it. Because now is the time. Yes, there are moments when we need to to, to look up and to spend time in glorious worship and and, and exalting and praising our God and our Savior and spending time together like this. And I don't want to take anything away from that. But we also have a call to be a witness, to get out of here. And to go and to spread the message of Christ, not just verbally, but in the way we live our life. Now is the time. It's not tomorrow when I get my life all, you know, cleared up. You know, Jeff didn't, he wasn't, you know, this perfect Christian. He was just a young guy trying to do the best he could live in his life. And that's what he wants from each one of us. It's not tomorrow when we get, you know, I'll have time tomorrow because I'll get all my whole life straight and I'm going to do my things at to-do list and that. Tomorrow never comes. Now is the time. Today is the day of salvation. It's got to happen now. There are thousands of people just within walking distance of this church that are going to a Christless eternity because no one's there to witness to them. Because sometimes we're too caught up, looking up, hoping to receive something from God. And yet he's given us the power to witness. Now is the time.
Not tomorrow. Not the next day. Now. It's got to happen now. More than a place to eat or a cool movie. We are to give testimony of who God is and the life that he desires for us and to live life his way. Our witness is powerful. So in Acts 1, 1 to 11, it challenges us to live the cause of Christ, to engage the power of the presence of the Holy Spirit, to avoid the subtlety of selfishness, to initiate the way of salvation, the way of witness, and to embrace the tension of time that now is the time. Will you pray with me? Father, we are moved and challenged that there are many people who don't know you. Some we even have a slight relationship with. And Lord, you've called us to be that witness. And Lord, I'm praying you would help us to be that effective, credible witness before them. That we would, that people would see in us you. And we, when you give us the opportunity, would have the moment to be able to share with them how we might, or how they might come to know you in a personal way. Challenge us and encourage us. Teach us to be a good and credible witness, we pray in your son's name. Amen. I'd like for us to move into a time of prayer we call our garden of prayer.